1: well think about that if you're a uh, nebraskan a lincolnite and uh, alex gordon his moment in the world series two outs down by one the shot heard around kansas city and heard around nebraska back in 2015 welcome into hail varsity radio we're presented by the nebraska lottery we are out at seacrest field a field that uh Alex Gordon roamed in the Southeast Secondary for some state championships. We're ahead of Southeast and Lincoln East. They'll kick off at 7 tonight here locally on ESPN. Lincoln i will have the call for that. But uh, what a day in sports as there were some murmurs, there was some insinuation uh, that uh, this might be it for uh, a, a proud uh, Lincolnite, a native son. And you think about... Guys like Alex Gordon and Jabba Chamberlain that that did it at such a high level and brought championships to their respective teams. Uh, Great to be with you, Chris Schmidt. Damon Barr back at our ESPN studios. And, uh, yeah, Alex Gordon calling it a a career. Uh, 14 years, a world championship, and, of course, seven gold gloves and three all-star appearances Here is Alex Gordon earlier uh, today as the Royals had a press conference at 2. And uh, Alex reflecting on his career, it was time for, for Gordo to hang him up.
2: I want to first start off by uh, thanking all of you for being on the Zoom call. Um, I wish we could be in person, but knowing, you know, this kind of a year, a situation we're dealing with, this is kind of what we're having to work with. So thank you for all of you being here and all of your guys' support over the years. You guys have always been great to me, and I have tried to do the same for you guys too. So um, I want to start off by thanking Dayton. You know, I've been with Dayton since day one he's he's just a perfect leader for this organization and not only uh being my boss but just being a great person to look up to and respect um in every aspect of his life um how he treats people how he handles everybody in that clubhouse is is something that a lot of people don't see but um is amazing and you kind of you kind of Get a glimpse of it when you get you know older veteran players that come through the clubhouse um, that have been with other GMs and other clubs and just have nothing but great things to say about Dayton.
1: Alex Gordon thanking his uh, general manager, Dayton Moore. Dayton Moore, who drafted Gordon number two overall in 05 out of Nebraska. Of course, Gordo, the National Player of the Year, will never forget being able to cover the Nebraska 05 World Series CWS team and it was super regionals right and uh Miami <laughs> right it's the dream for the for the football scenario Miami's got to come to Lincoln in January well Miami baseball no slouch obviously they had to come to Haymarket Park in uh, 05 for the super regionals and in, in Gordo's uh, final game at Haymarket went opposite field i think it was a 2 to 1 ball game and and his uh his bomb in the first or second inning made the difference, and uh, just high theater for Alex Gordon. But got a little bit of a family connection to to Gordon, and uh, a lot of us uh, who grew up in Lincoln knew of this uh, this kid who played for the Rebels that was going to be special when it comes to uh, to the youth baseball programs in Lincoln and uh, even as he uh, got older, got better, was incredible, and had a, such a great mentor in Coach Brohurst at Southeast. And then he uh, starred on the football field as well. I mean, Alex could have been playing ball in someone secondary. He was an incredible cornerback at Southeast and uh, made the jump to uh, to Nebraska and, and took Nebraska to a, to a yet a return trip to Omaha, and it was just fascinating seeing him as a, as a freshman in high school, specifically uh, at Southeast. My brother was he just my brother's a hell of a baseball player too. But Gordon, you know, a team that my brother played on had a lot of juniors and seniors, and they were talented. And then there's 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 this freshman batting cleanup named Alex Gordon that's just smoking the ball, and a chance to just watch him as a young phenom, a young prodigy. Uh, Even, you know, during uh, summer baseball and uh, Legion baseball was pretty cool and just not a a ton of interactions. But when he got to to pro baseball, we were fortunate enough with Alex Gordon, not only to carry his first pro game ever on ESPN uh, here in Lincoln and and it was Wichita double A but then just be either with uh, KFOR or ESPN to be a Royals affiliate for as many years as we've been and to see back to Dayton Moore and why Gordon, Gordo started off thanking Dayton Moore. Think of the team that, that Moore built that, that not only got to a World Series in 14, but but returned to the World Series and, and beat the Mets in 15. With Gordo being that that foundation, you have Salvi, uh, of course, Haas, Country Breakfast, (laughs) the Moose, and and Gordo. I mean, that was a a group of characters. They had great chemistry. They were built on speed and athleticism. Enough pop to be dangerous. And a great pitching staff uh, when when Kansas City was winning at a high level and building up and the payoff. And uh, Gordo's responsible for regenerating a a a state full of Royals fans and we all grew up a lot of us grew up going to Royals games. George Brett was our guy, Saber, and Bo Jackson. Some of us have a Steve Balboni uh, fascination as well. Uh, nose hair mustache, left-handed power. listen, Gordo has so there's so many Royals shirts and jerseys and Husker Day at the K running around town to this day because of his 14 years. And the thing that I take with me with Alex Gordon is this guy worked his butt off. He had amazing talent, but he put the work in to match that that God-given talent. And then when it was rough waters, what did he do? He worked harder and got better and reinvented his struggles and the pressure and the hype. You're the next George Brett. We're gonna stick you at third. You're the number two pick overall. What happens? He's got to go down to the minors, and learn left field. And boy, did he learn it to the tune of seven gold gloves, and three all-star performances. And he played so hard. I mean, the guy was dinged a lot in his career, and he played through all of that. And uh what a leader uh, for the Kansas City Royals, and uh, a staple of the community. So I salute you, Alex Gordon. A lot of Royals fans and Nebraskans do the same. Uh, well done, sir on an amazing career and uh, what you've brought uh, back to so many baseball fans with what you did. Amazing family, good, good guy, and uh, the best to him as he will be able to to sit back and enjoy retirement. And uh, we'll talk with Mitch Sherman in the coming days. Uh, just because Mitch has covered Alex for for such a long time. We've got one hell of a good show for you. We are going to dive into some Big Ten Network thoughts as Nebraska, uh, the focus of of Urban Meyer today on BTN, some Ryan Day thoughts as well we'll get into shortly. Bill Bender, Sporting News, is coming up in about uh, 10 minutes or so. We'll dive into some Big Ten thoughts, some college football. We are here at Seacrest, so... That means we uh, get a chance to, to preview tonight's top ten matchup, top ten clash between Southeast and East. East is an amazing football team. So is Southeast. And uh, Coach John Gingery is uh, one of our favorites. We'll get caught up with Coach Gingery at 440. Uh, Coach Gatula will be part of our pregame. Uh, in the second hour, Brandon Vogel, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. We'll spend some more time kind of laying out you know, this season for Nebraska. And some things that we're excited about for the Big Red, and I know the the natural reaction is, oh my God, right with the schedule. But Voges uh, and I will dive into to some things where you know Nebraska may be uh, closing that gap and let's say take that right step forward uh, with just being a team to to reckon with in some aspects of their football team. Scott Frost also. Some comments uh, we'll get into. And then as uh, we uh, get through the second hour, (laughs) Mike Leach is going to be with us. The Pirate will join us down at Mississippi State. The Pirate uh, opens up his tenure at Mississippi State at LSU or Nebraska South, as we like to call LSU, with Bo and Raymond and, uh, uh, of course, uh, Bill Bush down there. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of Husker love wearing purple and gold now. Numbers to get in today at 466 3776. 466 3776. 800 825 5865. We're here at Seacrest ahead of High School Ball tonight. can uh, find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio can also uh, get in touch with us on Twitter uh, with Damon Barr at Damon Barr e- two R's for Damon Barr uh, the rum king and email Chris at com. so Ryan Day uh, had a sit down with the uh, the uh, Ohio State Network and some some pretty good thoughts on uh, Adrian Martinez a lot of compliments headed Nebraska's way but this is the quarterback that Ryan Day wanted at ohio state at one point here's the head man from ohio state
3: yeah uh adrian um was recruited here um, i recruited him um he's from fresno a great young man uh, a lot of respect for adrian and uh, you know as a person but also as a player you know had a had an injury his senior year and so there was a little bit of uncertainty of, of where he was at and everything and um boy he's come out and had a great college career he's done some great things he's really strong he's a good leader um, you know he he runs out of, he runs the offense uh, you know incredibly well um, strong runner strong passer has good touch and uh, and so now you know he's veteran you know when, when you have somebody who's played as many snaps as he has in this conference. Um, you know, you, you know you're going to get a guy. It's not going to be too big for him. You know, he understands the the value of the football. He can play situational football, and um, and so you know he's played against us now a couple of years, and so um, you know one of the better quarterbacks in the conference.
1: So some some love there. Uh, the running game, the offensive line, Coach Frost. Uh, Highly complimentary. We'll, we'll dive into that a little bit further here with Brandon Vogel next hour. I want to shift over to the Big Ten, and uh, specifically in Nebraska, a focal point today with Urban Meyer and Coach Donardo. And specifically here with Nebraska, uh, <laughs> Urban, Urban asks the question that, that a lot of folks were wondering, you know, why the hell does Nebraska always – have a tough, tough schedule. What's what's the deal? Here's Urban Meyer from his BTN appearance.
4: I got a question for you, Jerry. Is that I remember when Scott Frost first entered the Big Ten, the, the it came up. You know why? Why? And I remember Scott Frost. I was sitting there, and I thought schedules are always random. I thought there's no control over scheduling. You just get in a rotation, and it always seemed like Nebraska plays Ohio State, either Penn State or the Wolverines from the East, so the crossover games and. I've never quite, maybe you understand it, I, I've never really, I was waiting for an answer, but why does Nebraska always play the toughest schedule?
5: Yeah, I, I think the, the, the thought behind that is when Nebraska came in to the conference, they wanted a, what they call a semi permanent crossover. And the, the brand name, Nebraska, everyone excited that they were coming in to the conference. I just think the conference felt like if we match them up with another big brand and we make them play six years in a row that that could benefit the conference i I, I think money I think TV is always part of those type of decisions
1: so th- there's your answer Nebraska's a brand name Nebraska still matters Nebraska brings in TV revenue let's put Nebraska against some of the uh, the old guard and the known guard in the Big Ten, early on Nebraska did alright. It's been a little bit more difficult as you're trying to transition and and build and uh, the topic of year three, you're supposed to really try and make a jump in year three. Now that's not how things worked out for Dabo Sweeney. Uh, Sweeney's been great, clearly, but Sweeney also took a little longer for Clemson to become Clemson, right? Uh, you look at uh, Florida State under Jimbo Fisher, they year three, year four, yeah, they they springboarded. But when I talk about Clemson and when I talk about Florida State, they weren't dealing with the schedules Nebraska's had. Nebraska will win these big games. Nebraska will uh, be able to to go toe to toe with some of the teams in the Big Ten that that are your your staples on, in New Year's Day six. They they are getting there. It's just. Not quite there yet. Maybe, maybe so. Uh, this third year, it just looks really tough with the schedule. More from Urban Meyer and Coach Donardo on year three, mixed in with this schedule.
5: The fact that Nebraska is not coming out of a normal camp, not having a normal non-conference schedule before the conference schedule, although they were going to they were going to open up with a conference game. What about scrimmaging? That's the first thing I thought when I saw this where COVID meets this very difficult schedule for Nebraska. How do you deal with scrimmages?
4: I, I don't know their program. You know, I know this is year three. I know they've struggled. I know they've recruited hard and they have a good staff. I picked them to compete last year in the West, and they did not. They, they had a not a very good year. And Jerry, it's all about, you know this as well as I do, this is about health. And when you get to the dance, you want to have your best players, but they have to be fundamentally sound in blocking and tackling the ball security. And those three? That's all to me about contact at this point. How do you, how do, you do that? I, you know, If I have a, a young team, you have to have contact. If, if someone sprains an ankle, God forbid, or something happens, you know that's part of the game. But, I mean, you have zero room for error. And then plus, playing a team that's really good that's not physical, to me that's a whole different animal. Now, I mean, you can you know a Sunday trainer room, you're fine. But you play Wisconsin, they're going to bloody your nose. Ohio State's going to bloody your nose, and so is Penn State. Those are physical, physical teams, and and Northwestern, I mean, has been known to be physical too. So, I, I mean, my gosh, Jerry, when you when I sat and looked at that schedule, and I'm trying to build my team in year three, I don't want to say there's no chance, but he that, that they are running uphill on this one.
1: More from Dinardo and uh, Urban. More on Ohio State, Nebraska, hail Varsity from Seacrest Field continues. And we're back.
0: Fellas, did we?
1: Listen to the radio. On Hale
0: Varsity
1: Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back with you at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Bill Bender, Sporting News, checks in. Pretty big weekend of college football, Bill. We'll get to some of that slate, also some NFL. But what to start off with the Big Ten. Uh, the league back in action about a month away, which is awesome. Uh, are you surprised that things got uh, got? revisit it, and uh, we're going to kick off in a month.
6: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a plan. I don't know if it's the perfect plan. I really, you know, it's hard to say because so much has happened in the last couple months. You've had games get postponed, games get canceled, those kind of things. And, you know, hopefully they get it in. But I think what they presented last week was a plan to get back on the field like everybody else and um, putting probably over-the-top safeguards in place to try to make it happen.
1: Bill Bender's with us. As you look at uh, the slate, a lot's been made about Nebraska's schedule, not just the the stacking of it from Schedule 1 to a little bit different tweak for Schedule 2, now on to Schedule 3 and uh, a tough open. But, you know, what are you looking at year three for, for Nebraska here? What, what progress do you think maybe Nebraska can have when we talk about the Big Ten West race and, and beyond?
6: Well... You know, I think it's one of those deals. It's going to be a tough schedule, um, and I think Nebraska's still trying to push into that upper half of the Big Ten conference, and the up to be one of those teams that can compete for not just Big Ten West championships, but Big Ten championships. And you know, they'll get a look at what it looks like when they play Ohio State. But but it's kind of what I've said to you and others all along is, you know, beating Ohio State isn't just Michigan's problem or Penn State or Wisconsin or. Nebraska, it's everybody's problem. Ohio State just kind of hangs over the entire conference and continues to win big game after big game against the competition.
1: You can't put it any better. <laughs> it is everybody's problem. But they are they are so loaded. They're so good. I mean, Urban Meyer's still close to that program. We're talking 11 NFL dudes, potentially. And, you know, I'm anxious to see, you know, a year three with Adrian Martinez, a year three with, uh, that offensive line for Nebraska and just how much better the defense can, can be. And I think the Nebraska fans are just excited for football. So, uh, you know, the, the win projections anywhere between three and five, all right, depending on Vegas, depending on FPI, where you're at. As you look at Nebraska's schedule, have you even come up with a number or are you just kind of go game by game?
6: Yeah, you got to take a game by game. I mean, and then you got to factor in they might play that last one um, against somebody from the Big Ten East, depending sure. on where they stand, and it might be a rematch, you just don't know. I mean, the crossover games are brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for Nebraska, there's going to be very little margin for error within the division when you got to play Penn State and Ohio State and, and everything that comes with that. but. Yeah, you know, I think they they just got to go out and take it each week. And, and things change, obviously, with COVID mm. and teams and cancellations. Honestly, Chris, you just don't know if they're going to play eight games. And, and that's something to keep in mind. I've told somebody the other day, I think, you know, every week's going to have cancellations. Every week's going to have games moved around. And that's just the environment we're living in.
1: Do you have a good handle at all on, on what went down with Notre Dame other than there were positive cases of COVID? Was this acquired on the football field was this off the field any insight at all i mean
6: that's it Uh, you know and that's what worries me is when you see the trend has been a lot of teams that have have had covid outbreaks afterward
7: Mm -hmm.
6: notre dame you know i think six acc teams have been impacted schedule wise by it virginia north carolina virginia tech wake forest um and, you know, Virginia Tech's coach is out there saying that, you know, they might not have enough to play this week. So it, that's why I'm saying there's no perfect plan. And now that the SEC is going to get going, I think we're going to see more of this. And, you know, unfortunately, it just doesn't have the same – I don't want to say safeguards. It doesn't have the same bubble effect – that the NFL, MLB, and NHL have, where those are professional organizations. It makes it a little bit tougher.
1: Bill Bender, a couple minutes here. Hail Varsity Radio, at Bill Bender 92 on Twitter's where you find him. You read him with sporting news. Who can take down Ohio State? Is it Penn State, or do you think Wisconsin, this might be their year?
6: Well, I think Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin are the three teams that come to mind, and I think I've used the start on the show, where I've told people they're uh, those three are combined one and 22 against the Buckeyes since urban Meyer took over. And, and the one was a win that, that was brought on by a bad decision to kick a field goal and Penn state blocked it and end up winning the game during a whiteout. So I don't know that any one of those three teams can beat them. I think Penn state's probably the best position on the field, Wisconsin. I just don't see it. I just, I've seen the movie too many times, Chris. Mm-hmm. And, um, Michigan remains a wild card with Joe Milton at quarterback. And there's a ton of pressure on that program. But they haven't won in Columbus since 2000. (laughs) I mean, it's just a lot to deal with.
1: I'm interested to, to check out your story. You had a chance to get caught up. Let's go to the NFL for a little bit. Boomer and Bernie. I mean, two just legends uh, in the NFL. Bernie Kosar with the Browns, Boomer Esiason with those Bengals and the Sam Weiss years in the late 80s. And you've got two pretty fun quarterbacks that, you know, a week ago was such a fun ball game between Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield. What was that conversation like for you with, with two guys that are throwbacks in the AFC?
6: Oh, it's great. I mean, that's what they're trying to bring back here in Ohio. And last Thursday kind of offered a little taste of it. I thought Baker and Burrow put on a show. But, you know, in the late 80s, Boomer and Bernie were competing for AFC championships. And that might be hard to explain to an 18-year-old kid that, yes, the Browns and Bengals were at the top of the AFC at one point. And uh, that's what they're trying to bring back here. I thought Baker played a nice game Thursday, but continually impressed with Joe Burrow at, at, with the Bengals hanging in there. They're going to need to build around him, but they have their most important piece. And I think he'll continue to succeed. And the NFL obviously has the Nebraska ties as well mm-hmm. with that. Um, but um, it'll be interesting to see how his career continues to develop.
1: Talk to me a little bit here about Zach Taylor and Burrow, the, the match and association between both of them. Just that, I mean, and I look at, at Goff and, and how he really grew up under Zach Taylor and, and the Rams and McVay look awesome this year. But uh, is this about as good of a situation despite the maybe some missing pieces around Burrow? Did did Cincinnati not just get it right with with Burrow but also with Zach? I know it's early to, to, to throw out a take on that, but it seems like they're a great pair together. You know,
7: the Sean
6: McVay tree works, I think. You know, Zach, I I don't even really count last year because it was a throwaway year where they were rebuilding from the end of the Austin Lewis Mm remnants, And then, um, obviously, with LaFleur, it's, uh, you know, in Green Bay, he's another guy doing really well.
1: No, that tree is really uh, pretty impressive. Uh, Get your thoughts here on the NFL. Uh, You've got Kansas City, Baltimore, Seattle, Dallas, your Packers. uh, They hook up with the Saints. Tom Brady heads back to Denver. That's not been kind. And what's up with Bill Belichick? Is, is he that worried about Oakland? He hasn't slept all week.
6: Yeah, I mean, these are fun games this weekend. I think, uh, obviously, you look for the Patriots to try to get back on the winning track. Um, Green Bay and New Orleans will be a ton of fun with those two quarterbacks and uh, Breeze and Brady, or, uh, Brees and Rodgers on Sunday Night Football. And then up what should be a fun show on Monday night with oh, – yeah. uh, Lamar and Pat Mahomes. So yeah, the NFL is really clicking. Uh, ratings are up, and of course, the Cowboys against Russell Wilson. And the Cowboys have probably been the most exciting team for the first two weeks. I,
1: I can't believe that comeback. Uh, sat at a water and hole with my brother-in-law, who was dressed head to toe in silver and blue. He was excited about it, and I Atlanta had such a, a tough go of it. But man, it's great to have football back in the NFL. Bill Bender's with us, Sporting News, Hale Varsity Radio at Bill Bender ninety two. Bill, want to switch gears to the SEC, and uh, I'm really anxious. And we're talking to him right after we uh, say goodbye to you, Mike Leach. And you know, it, it's never easy to go down to LSU. It's a little easier with COVID uh, because of the fan situation, but. Is that a game, a sneaky game to watch, maybe LSU with all they lost and uh, with kind of an unknown in Mississippi State coming in? Could that thing be tighter this weekend?
6: No, I think they'll they'll throw it around. It'll be fun. And, uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see Mike Leach's debut. That's probably one game I'll be keyed in on. And uh, just because of seeing what, all these pieces that LSU has coming back, seeing what Mississippi State's doing and uh, everything that goes on from there. So – Definitely interested in that game. Maybe a little more interested in Lane Kiffin at home against Florida, you know, with the high hopes around the Gators this season. So I think those are two games that that probably stick out along with Kentucky-Auburn. I mean, this is the first one that feels like a real college football weekend with the SEC getting kicked in high gear.
1: Last thought here, uh, Bill, and thanks again. Uh, give me a, a thought. You've spent a lot of time in your career around some NFL greats. You've covered the league as well and uh, native Nebraskan that was just phenomenal, Gale Sayers passing away yesterday. Uh, he was before my time and your time, but we're both kind of students of the league and loved watching mm-hmm. the highlights. What, uh, what have you either uh, kind of gleaned on Gale from some of the NFL folks you've talked about, or what, uh, what have you thought about with, uh, with Gale's passing?
6: Well, he was my dad's generation's version of Barry Sanders. You know with the moves and the speed and the ridiculous talent and you know I watched NFL films as a kid and you know you'd hear that give me eight inches of daylight that's all I need from some sailors and you start watching the highlight clips today and um, amazing cuts you know obviously also known for Brian's song and everything that comes with that but a guy that was ahead of his time obviously you know with everything Mm -hmm. that he did on the field and off the field and a good example for all of us so if your listeners out there that are a little bit younger if they get a Shot to uh, watch some Gale Sayers highlights it might not be the worst thing.
1: No, it's pretty awesome. Bill Bender, Sporting News at Bill Bender ninety two on Twitter. That's where you follow him. Bill, we'll do this again. Thanks for a few minutes today. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. Good to talk some college football with Bill Bender. Swe- uh, squeeze in a little NFL. We're here at Seacrest Field as East and Southeast. will kick it off at seven. We'll be back uh, after the show to uh, to bring you that play by play action. ESPNLincoln.com and uh, two top 10 teams. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, We spent a lot of time on Alex Gordon reminiscing about his career and what he's meant to uh, the state of Nebraska, the city of Lincoln, a hometown boy that did incredible uh, with his career and a championship. We'll uh, dive into some more Nebraska thoughts. Nebraska pretty prominent on BTN today. When it comes to Urban Meyer's thoughts on their schedule, Ryan Day, some compliments about Adrian Martinez. And uh, we are a month from today with kickoff against the Buckeyes. Good news if you're Purdue, and uh, that is Rondale Moore has opted back in and will be part of Purdue football to pair with David Bell. Nebraska heads to Purdue this season. So... Uh, You know, you didn't get to see Rondale uh, last season due to injury. We'll get a preview. John Gingery, head coach of Lincoln East on the way with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
0: He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taught preteen Swedish boy.
1: Back into it, getting ready for kickoff, uh, Lincoln East, Lincoln Southeast. what a matchup. what a game at sequence tonight. we say hi to the head Spartan and coach John Gingery back with us. coach, thanks for taking a few minutes. I want to go back to last Thursday and
8: <laughs> I don't want to go back there. Well,
1: I will fast forward very quickly, but I, what did you, you say to your kids and what explanation did you get? Uh, controversial ending
7: uh, you know it came down to the last play, and I told the kids I said, "Hey, here's the ball game. I said if we uh, we make the play, you win the game, and it's it's pretty simple, so nothing else matters right now. And uh, I thought we made the play, and I never got an explanation from the officials. Um, it was nine seconds on the clock. they just ran off the field. I mean, it was uh, it was it was pretty bizarre that's
1: uh, that's how I interpreted uh, different video angles and i i saw what i saw you saw what you saw and that was one heck of a goal line stand i'll just say that coach well done by (laughs) your defense uh john gingery is with us so as we look forward to this week big time matchup against southeast your team's loaded it's super talented southeast is really really good how's the week been bouncing back from thursday now turning the page to southeast
7: yeah, well, it's, a, it's an inner city game in the Southeast, so so uh, kids focus pretty well on that. I mean, it's always tough to to deal with those situations um, and move forward, but it's a, it's a part of the process. I mean, it is what it is, and you have to control the things that you can control, and and uh, that's the way you play, and that's the effort you put in. You can't control anything else. So uh, we just uh, changed our focus to Southeast, and they're, you're right, they're a great team. Uh, they're big, they're physical, and they've, they've got a lot of talent, so it's going to be a big challenge.
1: Let's spend some time on your quarterback, Noah Walters. I mean, he is throwing touchdowns. He's throwing for a ton of yards. He is so good on the run, man, uh, just mobile. Uh, and uh, athleticism is great. What, what were you expecting from him, and what's he delivered for you?
7: Well, he's, he, he's just a, a, a student of the game. I mean, he's, he's learning. He's taking in information. He's making uh, good choices, good reads, uh, maturity. He grew up quite a bit from last year. He's only a junior. And uh, the kid's done a great job of of handling our offense and uh, putting people in the right place and, and making great reads. You know, he's been real fortunate that way. So... That part of he's limited to turnovers, and he's had some big strikes. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's done a great job.
1: John is with his head coach Lincoln East ahead of Southeast and East Seacrest seven o'clock. We'll have coverage for you ESPN Lincoln, uh, and excited for that coach. Uh, a thought here as you talk about your offense. What what. You want to score points, yes. You want to move the ball, yes. But ultimately, what do you want to do to opposing defenses with your offensive philosophy?
7: Well, we want to spread the field. Uh, and I think we've been fortunate enough to do that uh, and make people cover the entire field. We're not real big up front. I want to get the running game you know, a little more established. Uh, but the, the passing game isn't working so well. We haven't gotten away from it. So, yeah, we want to run the football as well, but we want to spread the field. And I want people to be aware that uh, you know we get some weapons on the outside, and if if you're not uh, willing to cover those people, you might have to you know pay a price for it.
1: You have different packages with the receiving crew. You have you can go four or five wide. You have different body types, and all the kids are athletic on the outside, but. For a long time, you've had big receivers. You've had 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", guys, but you've also had the, in in my words, not yours, but the Edelman-type kid that can be in the slot and just work you to the sideline or up the seam. How uh, how how nice is it to have that variety in the receiving core?
7: <laughs> well, it's pretty darn special. I mean, we've got as many as 12 kids we feel that could, that could play, which is just amazing. And they've all got good hands, and and they've all uh, handled the concepts that uh, we put out there pretty well, and and they're smart kids. I mean, they've they've been able to find areas that uh – They've been able to expose certain defenses, so gosh, they've just done an outstanding job. You know, those kids—they make me a lot smarter than I am, Coach Chris. They just do.
1: I—I <laughs> I think you're pretty smart. John Giggery's with us, uh, Lincoln East head coach. Uh, let's flip it around. What have you liked defensively here through four games? I mean, it seems to me, and, and I've seen you a couple of different times. Your lines nice, but tell you what—you've got some some kids in the secondary that are are just missiles. And I think your linebackers are pretty physical.
7: Yeah, we've got we've got a great set of secondary people. Uh, we feel comfortable with all those kids back there. And as you said, the linebackers are physical. Uh, if we get a little more push up front on the defense, it'll it'll make a big difference for us as well. So, we've been pleased. I mean, we it's been, you know, bend a little bit mm-hmm. uh, but not break. And uh, they've been able to come up with some plays that way too and some turnovers. And, and they've done a good job as well. So, you know, we're, we're hoping we get another great performance from them tonight.
1: <clears throat> what sticks out to you about Southeast? I mean, what impressions, uh, as you've looked at film, what do you like uh, and see about their offense and then touch on the defense as well?
7: Well, they're big and they're physical and they've got good speed. in uh, the secondary as well. They've got some some, some people that can cover some territory. Uh, they're athletic. Uh, on the offense, they have a lot of weapons as well. They've got a lot of kids that can throw at you that, can create problems, and as I said, you know, up front, mm-hmm. if they get a push up front, uh, they make it tough on your uh, your defensive line, your linebacker. So we've got to neutralize that line of scrimmage and hopefully not uh, not give up any of those big runs.
1: How are you health-wise going into this game?
7: Well, we're a little beat up. We're a little beat up. We've lost Carter Glenn for a while, and that's that's a big blow to us um, on offense and defense. But uh, hopefully, maybe toward the end of the season, we can get him back, I hope. But uh, for the most part, we're just a little dinged up. I mean, last week was a very very physical game, so we had to back off a little bit this week in preparation for that. (laughs) Who's
1: who's going to need to step up uh, for Carter? I mean, not only on he was uh, incredible at the corner spot, but he's so vital catching passes. Yeah, Yeah, I
7: think Van Meter on offense, Snyder on offense, uh, Cooper Erickson. Those guys, to Kendrick McRae, all those guys have the ability, and they've been—you uh, know—some of those guys have been big play people. So those guys are going to have to pick up the slack. I think uh, Luke Greeson's another kid that uh, plays sporadically that's, that's going to be able to step up for us and help there too. And Luke will help us on defense too as well. So you know, it's an opportunity, and uh, hopefully those guys can, can get the job done.
1: How's Carter uh, adapting to to being away for a little bit?
7: Yeah, it's terrible. It's tough on him. The kid's a competitor. And uh, he's just a great leader for us, a great person. And uh, I feel terrible for him. But he's, he's doing okay. I mean, he's, he's going to be all right. He's handling well. He's doing his rehab stuff. And, and hopefully he bounces back a little bit sooner than we think.
1: Coach John Gingery with us as uh, we're talking east and southeast, the game of the week tonight on ESPN Lincoln. Coach, uh, final thought, give me a couple of keys for tonight for, 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 uh, for Sparty.
7: Oh, I'd like to control the ball a little bit more and not score quite as quick as we did up at uh, at Omaha last week. And if we can uh, move the chains, get some first downs and get the clock running a little bit, I think that'll help. I think defensively we've got to get some three and outs. Uh, we got to step up and, and uh, force some punts and, and make some things happen. And you know, maybe we get a big player or two out of our special teams would help as well. And, and no turnovers. You know, we want, to, we want to hold on to that ball I'd rather punt it and uh, then turn it over. So, you know, if we can do those kinds of things, I think it'll be a good game.
1: John Gingery, Coach, uh, best to you. We'll see you a little bit later. Thanks for the time.
7: Hey, thanks, Chris. I appreciate it.
1: Ed Sparty right there, John Gingery. We're here at Seacrest uh, on site uh, ahead of Southeast and Lincoln East. We'll hear from Coach Gatula a little bit later. The Pirate is on the way. Mike Leach coming up next hour. It's Hale Varsity, and we're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chime in. 402-466-ESPN. Or
0: email the show. Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try
1: me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Quick hour. We're here at Seacrest Field ahead of Southeast and East. The uh, game of the week here on ESPN. Lincoln we will have that uh, action tonight at 7. I'll be on the play-by-play for that. Damon Barnes back at our... ESPN Studios, Hale Varsity Road Show today, and that's uh, it's fantastic. And some of the leaves off to the east are getting a little golden. It doesn't feel like fall at all. Bill Bender uh, talked some college football with us. You just heard from the head man with Lincoln East, John Gingery. Coach Ryan Gatula uh, on the way with the uh, southeast. And the Pirate is on deck. Mike Leach coming up. Brandon Vogel next hour. A lot of time on Alex Gordon and his retirement today. We'll have more from Gordo next hour. Reminder: 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing their seatbelt. If used properly, seatbelts can reduce the risk of fatal injury by 60%. Your best defense in any crash. Buckle up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Got to bring in Damon Barr. Damon, you're a, a bit younger. You're a baseball guy. I know you're a, you're a Stros fan and the pre uh trash can video World Series title uh you had the Astros and Royals facing off uh, back in 14 but uh were you a Gordon guy growing up here I mean you're um, you're that age range where gordo is probably pretty prominent a local name anyway in the majors for you to to look at did you catch a lot of royals games because of gordon well yeah if there ever was a uh, royals game i was interested in it was because of gordon just the the thought of somebody from lincoln being in the major leagues i thought was very cool as a kid and i always wanted to check him out and we'd uh we'd go down to the nebraska days at uh to see the royals play and seeing gordon play was it was awesome the the funny part is there's a few spring trainings we got down to, and Gordo would be stretching, and, and, and George Brett would be in in full uni, and we're talking you know Lenny Dykstra gets credit for how much uh, beech nut or red man he put in his right chick cheek, uh, George Brett was the king of of leaf tobacco, and and Brett would would still have the uh, the the seventeen pound Shaw in. And, I, you know, it's it's a special dialect trying to understand guys that, that, that do that. And, you know, Gordo had never do that stuff, but he'd, he'd have a, a conversation. Gordo would be stretching, and Brett would come by and take a baseball as Gordo's on his back and just throw it at his stomach because, you know, George Brett can do whatever the hell he wants. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, and, you know, the uh, the, the mentorship with, uh, with Gordon, with, with some of those young guys, and then the way they meshed. For, uh the championship run was was incredible some things to think about as we dive into hour two just uh, you know how nebraska can can attack and navigate their schedule specifically just some some positions of of optimism for nebraska and uh, you know I'm feeling good I've said it before, and we'll get vogue's thoughts on this, but just where Nebraska's at with the offensive line. In the run game, specifically if you're remodeling the house, what's finished, what still needs some work as uh, we look at year three for Coach Frost. Uh, Brandon Vogel, managing editor, HailVarsity.com and Magazine will join us as we kick off hour two here at Seacrest Field ahead of Southeast in Lincoln East. And then the Pirate, Mike Leach, next hour, uh, 20 minutes with the Pirate. Hale Varsity continues, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Back at it, it's hour two. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr back at our studios. We are on location today. Seacrest Field, it is sunny. There is no wind. Sun-drenched, mid-80s. It'll cool down perfectly for 7 o'clock kick. Two top ten squads. A really awesome quarterback in Noah Walters for Lincoln East. Uh, Just a plethora of big-time talent for Lincoln Southeast. And we are excited. I'm excited to have that game tonight. About an hour after we wrap up Hale Varsity, so we're here at Seacrest. Uh, the uh, field turf looks immaculate. The yard, I'm sure, uh, in uh, where Brandon Vogel's at, looks similar to the to the grassy knoll and Berm region here at Seacrest. We welcome in the managing editor with HaleVarsity.com and magazine, Brandon L. Vogel, Vogues, uh, who did you pretend to be playing wiffle ball in the backyard as a kid?
9: Um, definitely Andre Dawson. Okay. Uh, so that that probably tells you how old I am. I mean, Andre Dawson was was a good baseball player, but 1988 MVP.
1: Did we, Three we lose votes? Three-year window where. Okay. We we, we we got you now. Start start over. You're talking 87 MVP.
9: Yes, Andre Dawson. He was he was kind of my guy. Uh, he it was that magic time where, at exactly the time where I'm watching baseball on TV as as much as possible. So yeah, I distinctly remember playing home run derby in the backyard, hit it over hit it over the fence. That's a home run, and uh, Andre Dawson was the one. To the point where you know you had to you had to have that staggered stance where you put the back leg behind the front leg.
1: Some of us use the Andre Dawson stance for golf, and sometimes it works. <laughs> sometimes it doesn't. Well, there's a, there's a whole generation of kids that that pretended to be Alex Gordon playing backyard wiffle ball, and it was a, a treasure to watch him from from youth baseball to high school to Nebraska in a CWS run and, of course, a world title in Kansas City. And everybody in the state of Nebraska – has made a, a trip to to Kaufman. Not everybody, but I would put money down that there's a high percentage, right? So uh a thought from you on, on Gordon. And I think Nebraska fans love their guys who do well, but they really love the kids that are, are homegrown and and do well. And I love Gordon's perseverance. Really good career and uh and he found a way to to help lead a team to a title. What do you think of Alex's announcement today?
9: Yeah, um, even for me, so Kansas City is eight hours where from where I grew up, but that was the first uh, Major League Baseball stadium I ever made it to. Um, so in that group, you know, Alex was he, – he was such the epitome of, like, kind of the classic ball player, and, and, I, and I use that word specifically. You know, they're, they're extraordinary athletes who play baseball – there are guys who are better at baseball than they are athletes that play baseball. And Alex was a little bit of both. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Just kind of had that, that classic style of like, Oh yeah. Baseball is what this guy should be doing. (laughs) When you, when you kind of view this from the college lens of, Oh, a guy comes through and they're really good at whatever sport you're talking about. Can't wait to see them in the pros. Um, Alex kind of delivered on that. So if there's any moment of hesitation here, you wish circumstances could have been different. You wish you could have a full stadium for him to get the, the send off that he has earned, but you know, at the end of the day, it's, that's, that's his choice to make. And, and and so it goes, but it won't change at all. How I remember him as a baseball player.
1: Brandon Vogel is with us. dot com and magazine. Vogues to some college football. Some pretty complimentary comments from Ryan Day about Nebraska, as we're a month away from the opener. Ryan Day uh, real high on Adrian Martinez, and uh, you got the news about uh, Rondale Moore opting back in with him and David Bell. That's a that's a tandem as well. So well, let's talk schedule for a minute, and I really enjoyed the Donardo and Urban Meyer, five-minute sit-down, and Urban's like, look, man, you're trying to kind of launch year three, and the schedule's out of your hands, and with the Nebraska brand being what it is, they are going to get a lot of times, and they have been just placed product placement, right? We're going to get Nebraska against Michigan, Ohio State, and, and Penn State as much as possible. But I, I thought the the what the way Urban talked about year three and being healthy and getting physical, was important, and he knows how difficult it is. But it almost, to me, sounded like that it, it's, you know, Nebraska's. They'll do their best to battle through it, but don't be surprised if it if it's a tough start. What, what did you take away from Urban's comments about Nebraska and and just the way things were stacked up?
9: Yeah, I could I could see it going that way, um, but in, but in some ways, I think that could almost play to to Nebraska's advantage so if you've got a a normal schedule um a normal lead-up to the season and it is year three so you know we, we all understand kind of what the what the pressures are you, you're, year one okay total free roll year two everyone thought there could be some some definitive signs of progress didn't see as many of those as maybe most Nebraska fans hoped you get to a year three in that situation and and there's some real pressure to do some things and and, and there still is, but I think this reduces it a little bit. I I kind of view it as a little bit freeing for Nebraska in that, okay, we we fought really hard behind the scenes and and really not even behind the scenes. In some case, it was, it was very out front for Nebraska of we want to play. Uh, We want to show, you know, Nobody said this specifically, but I think this is part of the motivation, like how far we've come since last since the end of last season. Now you have the opp- that opportunity and you've got a chance to show that. And I, and I think Nebraska will. I think whatever happens over these 8 games plus one at the end of the year, we'll probably walk away saying Nebraska is is making making gains towards towards where it wants to get to. What well, we say at the end of those nine games? Oh, they're they're farther along than we thought. I don't know if I'm ready to say that at this early stage, but who knows? So so this kind of affords that opportunity. And yeah, it's tough um, playing those four teams that Nebraska plays at, at the start of the schedule is hard. That's why everybody recognizes it. You can just look at the schedule and be like, "Yep, that's 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 tough to do." But it, it affords them an opportunity, um, and 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 that's that's what you want. So so let's see where Nebraska has has come since the last time we saw them, which this is kind of hard to even think about. But it's been all the way since the end of November last year, since since we've seen this team play, and whatever you get um, can can be progress. And, and I don't know if that's necessarily true if you're playing a totally uh, a 12-game schedule where there'd be real expectations. Like 6-6 six and six in a 12-game schedule, probably you've got some people who are, who are a little doubtful if, if that, at that point, if, if that's how it unfolds. 4-4 four four against this schedule, maybe that's not the case.
1: You're, you're right on. And, and I think uh, a lot of Nebraska fans, they're so excited for football, Nebraska fans, very realistic. And, Vogues, so let's get into this building process. And Bill Moose has reiterated that you judge Scott in year five and six, not year three. And it was going to be a tough, tough go this year. But I think there's some things to be pretty excited about. You know, what do you get out of a, a Ty Robinson? What do you get out of an Omar Manning? You got a really... You you think uh, pretty talented offensive line coming back. You had Mills that's ready to just pick up where he started off, and then I think you're going to get a really locked in Adrian Martinez. And let's be straight, a healthy Adrian Martinez. So I'm excited, man, and I'm not I'm not uh, throwing out you know eight and one. I'm not throwing out even necessarily uh, you know a, a three win season. I think they'll over deliver here, but I think their 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 mental states a lot better. They didn't handle. Last year, very well, as a, as a favorite, as as kind of a hype train team, and and once things went sideways, there was some doubt, and I, I think they're they're really putting work in, and I think they'll see some of that work on the field, and I think Nebraska fans will be proud of this team. If we're talking remodel or just straight demo job, and part of the house is a remodel, part of the house is a demo job, let's uh, let's talk about. What the living room looks like compared to the basement here. If we're going to do the the old house analogy here, what are you good with in this home, uh, i.e., Nebraska football uh, through year two, going into year three, and, and what still needs some paint, maybe a new floor, uh, and and a flat screen. I mean, if you're doing the construction here,
9: yeah, um, that, that's that's probably a, a useful a useful way to look at it. So. Quarterback, like, hey, we're all, we're all aware. Um, last year didn't go kind of based on where you thought the quarterback position. And, and really with quarterback, you're talking about, about one guy for the most part because all things go according to plan. One guy pretty much plays. Um, that's that's a remodel category for me. Um, i put offensive line going into 2020 in, in a pretty similar spot. And maybe even – even running back where again all things go according to plan, you're you're probably not playing a ton of guys, but you'd like to have some depth there and, and, and Dedrick Mills showed over the the latter part of the season that there's there's a reason to think that okay, you're not starting from from uh, studs there. Like the walls are already up. You you feel okay. So, so really, on the offensive side, the biggest question for me is is the wide receiver room. Um, you've got Wandale Robinson, but you're going to be counting on some new guys, and it depends on on how you factor tight ends there. Where I think Nebraska's is pretty talented um, into that equation. The bigger sort of okay, the basement's unfinished. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna get to that a little bit later. Uh, is, is probably defensive line. And maybe the front seven, though we, though we know a few more of the names at, at linebacker who he, you feel like you can count on, so secondary, I would put in the remodel category. so if you add it all up, biggest questions for me for, for Nebraska in terms of, in terms of personnel are probably wide receiver, and then the front seven on on, on defense. and that's not that out of. Out of whack with, with kind of what you would expect to go into with a normal season, which is you know you get into these kind of graduation slash draft cycles where I mean Penn State's in a position where it you know it needs to replace some key guys on the front seven defensively and and you could find other schools who are who are losing a lot uh, at at the wide receiver position or are just really young at that at that spot. and I think the big thing overall. With with Nebraska is it's still a young team overall. Like you can feel good about kind of you start looking at the QD and you're like, okay, you've got some guys that have played a lot of football here that are probably going to end up being starters in a lot of a lot of cases. It's when you get to that second level to, to the second string, so to speak, where okay, there's there's some young talent here. It's unproven. You can't say they had 40 catches last year or or even 40 tackles in some case. But that's okay because you, you feel you feel pretty good about the talent level, and that's just where Nebraska's at in its progression. It gets pretty young pretty quickly when you start to look at you know maybe the top forty guys on the team. But that's that's good in this case. I think that's good based on where Nebraska's been.
1: Brandon Vogel's with us at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues, when we talk about young talent, we see young talent. Go get it. We just talked about Rondale Moore. I mean, killed it from day one. Wandale Robinson, fantastic, as good as advertised. With some of this youth, I got about two minutes. Do you feel like they are high caliber enough, even if they've gotten a little bit of a cup of coffee, to come in and, and ball at a, at a higher level versus, all right, there needs to be some seasoning? I mean, that that's a, that's a tough Mix of all right, you need to to get some experience, but man, you're you're really good. You, you got brought here to play ball early and often. Is is Nebraska bringing in talent at a high enough level where there's not going to be as much time of of ramping up and development? They can just go do it.
9: I I think so. And I think that's, that's a really key moment for, for Nebraska. Um, and and I think that's a little bit of where college football is at now. You need those, those high profile, um, immediate impact players. And and Nebraska's had a couple, I don't, I don't want to pretend like they haven't. Uh, Wanda Robinson is certainly in that category. Adrian Martinez, as, as, as a freshman is probably, is probably the prime example, um, but you look at the past two years of Nebraska football and you've got a couple of those examples, but you're missing kind of the, the widespread youth movement. And I think I think some of that is with how cautious Nebraska was in terms of using its red shirts in, in a lot of cases where it came to, okay, do we just – Throw the the new guy in, the guy <laughs> that we recruited, the guy who who fits the the profile we're hoping to get to, or do we not? I, I think in most of those cases, Nebraska, sh- you know, def- defaulted to we don't put that person out there. So y- you've had a couple of those Rondale more like instances where okay, you can you can put Adrian in that category, you can put Waddell in that category, but. You really need it, and, and it, it feels like Nebraska's been probably more patient than average in terms of that, despite winning four and five games over the past two seasons. So at some point, that has to pay off. Uh, and, and you look at some of the guys that redshirted last year that were eligible, and I think this is the year where you start to see, like, okay, that made sense. That's why they did that. And, and it's not a given, but, but that's the hope.
1: Brandon Vogel. Voges, will talk Saturday, bud. It was great to get caught up and talk some big red football. Thanks for making time today. Yep, thanks a lot. All right, Mike Leach coming up on Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. The SEC kicks off this weekend. And our adoptive team, Mississippi State, uh, on the road at LSU. We say hi to the coach, Mike Leach, with the Bulldogs. Hello. Coach, how we doing? Good, how are you doing? Doing all right, man. Excited for football to be back. Coach, how's it been? What's going on in your world?
8: Well, it's been pretty good. Steady work. We've uh, uh, and today will be the same. Go out there and meet and crank away and uh, and practice and try to get better as we go. And we seem to be improving. Uh, we're kind of kind of an explosive team. Not as consistent as I'd like to be, but. We are getting better, and I think that uh, you know we, as coaches, got to be careful. Make sure that um, we don't ask these guys to do too much and things that they can't do, and uh, you know, just try to figure out the best basics we can go out there and fire away with.
1: Mike Leach is with us on Hale Varsity. So, Coach, you you've dealt with COVID in our country. You've dealt with tropical storms. If 2020 was a movie, what's the movie and what's the scene in the movie?
8: Well, I'll tell you, um, uh, and I'm optimistic, 2020 um, uh, comes out well. And there's definitely some people that uh, have been determined to make this the most joyless movie on Earth. (laughs) Uh, And I think that... um, and I'm still uh, propping it up uh, hoping that uh, you know we can spice this movie up and uh, and uh, make it a little better so it's like one of those deals where you know I'm waiting for the movie to progress hoping that it's uh, uh, going to get better and more inspiring and I think it will I mean you know it's like I don't know where it got so in style to be joyless humorless and uh and so controlled by everything you know I mean we used to be a group that uh, controlled our fate controlled our destiny controlled you know now it's like uh, you know some media or somebody will will, will impose some rules or some story on something we're, we're we're determined to be the most joyless American society that has ever existed and uh we got to bounce out of that and, uh, you know, just quit uh, following the herd on that one, I think.
1: Mike Leach is with us on Hale Varsity, head coach, Mississippi State. So, Coach, uh, you open at LSU. You go back a ways with Coach Polini, back to the Big 12. Uh, what's, uh, what are the, the, the challenges of facing not only an LSU squad, but a Bo Pollini defense?
8: Well, he's done a good job of defense for years, and uh, he likes uh, kind of a shell coverage uh, sort of stuff, and he'll blitz you periodically. But, uh, you know, he's done things a certain way for for years, and I think the reason he has is because it's worked real well for him.
1: Coach, we lost you. We lost you.
8: Can you hear me now?
1: We got you back. You you were talking about Bo's defense working for years.
8: It's worked for him for years, so I don't think he's going to change a lot, you know, because even by the time he got to Nebraska, he'd honed uh, uh, what he was doing, you know, over the years and that type of thing. And I I think it's a lot like our offensive package. He's done it for a period of time, had success, and, and, um, and, Kind of sharpens it more than changes of the bunch. and so I think uh, I think it'll actually the defense look quite similar to the ones that, were, that we faced at Nebraska.
1: Tell me a little bit about Costello and and your quarterback room specifically, and just your excitement level. You got a lot of ball players down at uh, in Starkville.
8: Well, uh, Costello brings a bit of stability and maturity to what we try to do. Because, uh, he, uh, you know, he started for uh, almost three years. We played against him, two of them. And, and uh, so he really does, uh, uh, you know, brings kind of a, st- a stability, and maturity. A, um, you know, he adjusts to things quicker, you know, with regard to that with our team. You know, starting to kind of emerge as a, a leader and one, a guy that uh, our players draw from. And... Um, really had a good practice yesterday so we need to keep stringing those things together
1: you know you're going to be at lsu i i don't know if they're going to have mike the tiger out i don't know if there's uh you know 20 percent capacity allowed i'm not quite sure on that but if if mike the tiger is out in his cage are you going to stroll by his cage
8: I, i will i will try because, uh, I mean, it's a full-fledged tiger. And I've always figured that uh, if it was too dangerous, there would have been casualties before. But I'll probably be cautious enough to make sure somebody slower than me is closer to that cage than I am. And uh, so that if the, if, if the tiger does get out, he can pounce on that guy first.
1: <laughs> get a fullback, you're saying, in front.
8: Yeah, I have somebody out there, you know. uh, You know, just kind of a buffer. You can't be too careful.
1: (laughs) Hey, you hold this. It's red meat, right?
8: Uh. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Uh,
1: Mike Leach is uh, with us.
8: (laughs) But, uh, no, it's amazing. Last time I was there, which was years ago, I was in Kentucky. Those Tigers are huge. I mean, a Tiger's paw is gigantic, you know. I mean, his his head's huge, uh, the whole thing. And then... uh, and then the other thing, they got those little bars on that cage, which it's pretty obvious to me that Tiger could get out of there anytime he felt like it, you know.
1: Well, are you going to take any knowledge you've gained from uh, the, the Tiger King documentary with you down to Mike the Tiger's cage?
8: Oh, no. I, I hadn't thought of it like that. Uh,
1: like you're not going to clone up, like put on the, uh, you know, the Old Spice, af- you know, aftershave clone before you go in.
8: Yeah, we don't need to get that Tiger too excited, I can tell you that. But I'm kind of curious about that stadium. It does seem, you know, and this is our first game, so other people have gone through this. So I'm kind of curious, all empty stadium phenomena. I mean, the teams will all be very excited to play. Mm -hmm. But if you need to (laughs) encourage or correct it, guy. I guess you pretty much just holler it out there from the sideline, and they hear you.
0: You know,
5: <laughs> that's true. So,
8: it'd be kind of like having a non nonstop, uh, uh, you know, the, the speaker like the NFL has in the guy's helmet. Uh, sure, uh, I'm not sure they I I think I think the players more than anybody are going to want these stadiums to get full as as soon as possible. You know,
1: I bet coach uh you've dealt with a lot of uncertainty with covid what's been your message to the guys not only about staying safe and i know the protocols and precautions have been taken but just you know the off the field side of things what what have you communicated to your kids
8: you know we just tell them to kind of keep their distance and be safe and and um <clears throat> make good decisions and try to reinforce that um you know, but there's a point to where all you can really do is just sort of move forward the best you can. I mean, I hope everybody's safe, and I, you know, I um, <clears throat> thank goodness no college athletes have been hospitalized, sure. and uh, and uh, you know, which that's a great thing. Uh, I hope we're not overindulging this too, though, mm. um, <clears throat> from the standpoint that. Uh, you know, people have gone to the hospital for flu get strep throat, uh uh flu strep throat, uh uh, uh pneumonia, I mean some viral infection, V D, whatever, you know. Oh can't, um, can't forget V D. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well <laughs> Or or whatever the case may be and these guys uh uh you know, they, they uh uh, but they have it for COVID, knock on
1: wood. <laughs> Mike Leach with Sale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, as an attorney, what was your reaction when you, you read and saw that Nebraska had eight players suing the Big Ten?
8: Well, I, I think it just illustrates their passion and desire to play. I think you got to, and I think this is, I think that, uh, you know, publicly in some cases they've been too dismissive of uh, that. You know, you get um, a whole lot of players that their dream since they were a very young child was to play football. And they 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 strive to, thought about it all the time, worked to, and not even just practices, but um, lifted, ran, watched film, focused, read books, um you know, thought about it all the time, and then of course, and thrilled by it and so, um this isn't just uh well, it's not safe, don't go outside I mean, you know and um and I leave it to the experts, but you know what uh you know there's to an extent we're taking away people's dreams or at least a year's worth of them, so I think it's uh to ambivalently and cavalierly say. Oh, well, you know, it's, it's for your own good, for your own health. You know, uh, you can't have football. Um, you know, you're taking away a person's dream, something they work for, something that they aspire to. Uh, and, and so I think it's, it's much bigger uh, than just a game or just some bureaucrats, say stay inside and that's the end of it. I'm not saying they shouldn't. I think the experts make the decisions. They decide and all that, and I hope for the best. But I, I, I don't think that decision should be uh, made, uh, taken lightly, and I don't think it should be made politically either. I mean yeah, that, and so I can see their disappointment, and dissatisfaction. I mean where it leads, and what's right, what's wrong, and who should win the lawsuit, all that. I don't want to get into that, but um, uh, you know, I think, and, and I think it hits harder than people uh some of these politicians realize i mean i think they're just playing games with this thing and um and then i get a kick as soon as they talk about the science you know that somebody's just trying to manipulate their argument because the science has contradicted itself uh backwards sideways and forwards and so people are confused and so um but uh and i think that uh you know these guys understandably want to uh, to play, and but also maybe clarity to the reasons why they didn't play. So anyway, it doesn't surprise me, and and I think that there's I think there's more suits than that involved in this thing. I can't remember. I mean, they uh, they, ended up,
1: drop, they brackets, ended up dropping they ended up dropping the suit when return to play happened. But I mean, Nebraska's attorney general got involved with the Big Ten when it comes to. The, uh, the tax-exempt status of the Big Ten operating within the state of Nebraska. I mean, it got pretty, pretty fierce, not only from the players, but just also the, the Attorney General's involvement. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. More with the Pirate, head coach in Mississippi State, Mike Leach, continues our chat. As he's getting ready for Death Valley. A year ago, you were in the Pac-12. Right now, the Pac-12's trying to get back to play. And, uh, you know, thankfully, the SEC's been very cautious about this, and they've moved forward, and you guys are ready to kick off and go, and you've been able to practice. But put yourself in somebody's shoes in the Pac-12. Would you just be going nuts right now?
8: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'd feel imprisoned if I was – there and see some of those schools they can't even get into their facilities i get a huge kick out of uh you know there's uh all these uh all these figures most of them political all of a sudden um you know the public outrage as far as not playing football uh as that rises then there's all these guys that uh, made all the rules and restrictions and things like that you know, saying that they wanted to play football. I mean, they, they just lie. I mean, they, now they folks will just go up and just blatantly lie, or like uh, you know, in uh, just totally contra- contradict what they said maybe an hour ago. You know,
1: hmm. is that a difficult dynamic to live in, where you've got the the coach, the AD, and then the chancellor and president in some instances, where you have to to mesh the world of academics and it's important clearly. I mean you're a scholar yourself but yeah you the athletic and the the academic side trying to work together and it didn't feel like that was necessarily the case uh for a lot of for a lot of this off season at least in some of the the power 5 leagues.
8: Well, so some of some of these guys just don't want to have any accountability. And if you don't play then they're not accountable for anything. Gotcha. You know and, uh, and, and, and and that's not thinking about for somebody's well-being. That's thinking about yours. I mean, okay, if we don't have football, I'm not accountable for everything. All right, you screwed all these people out of their dreams. You screwed the fans as far as, you know, uh, unnecessary emotional uplift when times are bad or, you know, an opportunity to celebrate together friends and family when times are good. And, uh, you know, just because you were afraid to stick your neck out and um, – So I think there's a certain amount of that going on. I think it would be most miserable uh, to be in California right now trying to um, put this together and have the opportunity to play.
1: Mike Leach with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, Mississippi State. They open up with LSU this weekend, uh, SEC football. So I got to ask, A, are you still getting your walks in to work? B, have you found a favorite barbecue or eating spot in Starkville?
8: I'll tell you, there's some great eating spots in Starkville. One of my favorites is uh, uh, WTF, which uh, stands for <laughs> Where's the Food At? And it's really good. You know, kind of the boiled the crab, uh, oh. shrimp, uh, uh, you know, sh- uh, crab, shrimp, oysters, corn, potatoes. Uh, yeah, you can get um, uh, mussels or mussels clams, um, too. Uh, crawfish if it's in season and so the, i think that place is really good and then uh walking i haven't been walking much what i do is i got a stand-up paddle board Ooh. and i'm on um right behind my place there's a there's a 12 acre pond and so i'll try to do a couple laps around that which seems to be kind of relaxing but uh, pretty good exercise
1: have you seen any gators or does mississippi have gators
8: they have gators but not in this pond fortunately i've not seen any gators and they, they they swear there's never been any gators in this pond and then the other concern is snakes i haven't seen any snakes either they said they didn't typically see any snakes
1: well that is good news last thought are you surprised president trump's weighed in on football like he has
8: um, no, no, I'm not. You know, he he's a pretty passionate football guy. Uh, you know, he used to own the New Jersey Generals. Yeah. He was, uh, uh, of course, he was. Uh, with, uh, he drafted Herschel Walker, so I know he's pretty passionate about that. And then the other thing, I think, uh, you know, uh, uh, I think uh, he along with others want everybody to work together and uh and uh, just uh have the energy and excitement that exists in a football game uh that really does bring people together cuz i think you know the more excited we are as a as a, as a group of people in a country the more we're going to accomplish and i think that um you know sports and uh, the other fulfilling activities are an important part of that
1: did you uh How'd you deal with the COVID tests with the, uh, that thing that, like pokes your brain? I mean, that it goes pretty deep. Oh there. yeah.
8: Heck yeah. Okay. So I've had, well, I had one yesterday and I'm, a, I have to have one tomorrow. <laughs> and, uh, I found if you keep your head tilted totally back, that's probably the best. In other words, uh, so they're not putting it, uh, pushing up as much as horizontally. Uh, One of these days, I'm going to sneeze all over this lady. And I did ask her last time, uh, surely some of these players must sneeze when we do this. And I go, have you ever been sneezed on? She says, oh, yeah. And then, um, so they dig around and tickle around like they're searching for something. It's not just a little swab thing like here. Let me just uh, put it in there real quick. And then the other, um, the side effect of it that really doesn't appeal to me. So it really tickles your nose. I almost sneeze. I haven't yet. But the one day negative side effect of the thing is uh, you'll be laying there in bed, and you'll have, uh, you know, some little fallout and scabs and stuff from mm. that uh, COVID testing thing, you know. And so, you know, trying to get that stuff clear so you can sleep good and all the rest. And so if they, if they go too hard in there, if they're, low, if they're not gentle enough, yeah, you'll get some side effects. Your 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 nasal patches will try to scab over and things. You know.
1: Did uh, did Lane Kiffin scream when you snapped his mask at the state capitol?
8: No, nah, he's a good sport. He he he's a good sport, good guy, and we both had kind of a long night getting there. And I think that uh, <laughs> um, I think that. Uh, uh, you know, it's for a good cause, too. I mean, we sure. we all want the whole state to have a flag they can be proud of and rally around and uh, uh, where we can wave it as obnoxiously as Texans wave theirs, you know.
1: Mike Leach with us. Coach, best to you this weekend. We'll catch up again. Thanks for a few minutes today.
8: Absolutely. Great talking to you again.
1: Got to love the Pirate, Mike Leach. Uh, extended sit down and a uh, lot to cover. Top thought today was, uh, Alex Gordon, more from Gordo's retirement earlier.
2: You know, my baseball career here in Kansas city is over. Um, I'm looking forward to, you know, being a fan and uh, being part of this Royals organization somehow, uh, throughout my life. So, um, yeah. Um, okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know when I when I started playing this you know I just wanted to be you know I just wanted to, everyone to see me as you know you know a hard worker uh someone that played the game the right way and somebody like I would talked about earlier was a good teammate and um hopefully you know I'm leaving my legacy like that uh, hopefully when people think about me they think of me you know as someone that just left it all on the line uh you know before the game after the game and was always uh, a good person to everybody in that clubhouse. So um, I'm hoping that's kind of how people think of me uh, when I'm done. And um, like I said, I just want to thank everybody for all their support and everything over the years.
0: So um, thank you guys. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail
1: Varsity Radio. Really enjoyed our chat with Mike Leach, the pirate to the head coach at Mississippi State. He's talking about uh, paddle boarding around this pond in Mississippi. If he got a swim spa, the pirate could paddle board uh, day and night. And we say hi to Deb, the spa lady, Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln off Industrial Road in Omaha. Spasonline.com. And uh, Deb, one of our favorite royals, if not our favorite royal, Alex Gordon, retiring today. No doubt he'll have plenty of time to sit in the hot tub, Deb.
10: He, yes, he's he's going to finally get time to relax, and I, you know, he needs to come see me because I can I can help him along the way with that, and uh, we'll get a, a spa delivered to him, and because I know he he was always so um, always in shape, worked out, you know, ate right. He he really did it right, so he needs to sit back and relax now. So a spa is definitely the answer.
1: Well. You've got a, a spa spot for that Royals fan or Chiefs fan or Husker fan. I mean, you got a, a showroom to pick from. Tell me, uh, tell me your pick of the week.
10: Well, let's see. We've got, uh, boy, I'd say maybe. Again, I you know you put me on the spot here, Chris, because our inventory, you know, it's it's not it's not the best it's ever been. Let's just say it's a little hard to get spas nowadays, but we are getting them in. It's just, do you have a, you know, can you wait? And most mm-hmm. people say, oh, you bet. You know, it's sure. going into fall. This is the perfect time. We'll wait. We'll, we'll get it. You know, whenever you get it for us, we, we want to order it. So if you want to do that, you come in and we'll get it going for
0: you.
1: Deb, folks are just lined up to get spas from you because it's, Kind of the ultimate fall accessory, isn't it, for that backyard or yeah. basement area? So, and guess, it's, go ahead, and, and you're at home. You know, we're all at home
10: now more. We're not vacationing. We're not going places. We're staying home with our families, and that is the uh, that's the reason I think for the the big you know boost in sales for hot tubs. It's just that people want to do more things at home and have some. Other
1: things that than just sit around and watch TV. Deb, the spa lady, home innovation spas, twentieth and Highway Two, spasonline.com, off Industrial Road in Omaha. Deb, give me a prediction here. How much your Chiefs going to win by Monday night?
10: Oh wow!
1: I'm going to say they're 14. They're going to beat Baltimore 14. in Baltimore by 14. I love you, Deb. Yes, <laughs> that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> Lock He's of the okay, weekend, Deb the spa hand. lady yeah. says, "Mahomes and KC plus fourteen yeah. over Baltimore and Lamar." I love it. Yeah, okay. Deb, you, you have a good weekend. We'll talk again over. next week, and thanks okay, so much, chris Thank you. Bye bye. Deb's gonna be watching the Chiefs and and Ravens in a spa Monday night. That'll be good stuff. Damon, what's for dinner? Um, I think a little breakfast for dinner tonight, a little bacon and eggs, and Ooh. we'll see what else. Maybe some biscuits. Well, like did, did, okay, did you have wine last night? Um, no, I went to bed early last night. Uh, had to bring the car into the auto shop this morning, so that was fun. <sighs> All right, so you're drinking wine tonight. It's Damon Barr. We'll be back here uh, a little bit before 7 here locally on ESPN. Lincoln, southeast and east, kickoff tonight, our game of the week. Thanks for tuning in.